Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumphs and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives as well. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the leaders sparking the rise of Bentonville, one of the fastest growing and most dynamic cities in the United States, nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in the heartland of America. Hey, I'm your host, James Bell, and it is my pleasure to share the studio today with Angie Bailey, who is the uh, co-founder and CEO of Best in Class Suppliers. Thank you, James. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Hey, Best in Class is a 360-degree sales team, and Angie will share a, a bit more, but uh, they're comprised of retail experts that are dedicated to helping you navigate all the processes and all the challenges of working with major retailers across the country. Angie's also deeply involved in the Bentonville community. She's on the board of directors, is it, for mm -hmm. the uh, Bentonville Library Foundation, as well as uh, she's also a member of the city of Bentonville's DEI task force. So welcome to the show, Angie. Thank you. Well, let's start by getting to know you. What should the Bentonville Beacon audience know about you? They should know that I'm a wife and a mother and a grandmother. And um, we have a couple of different family businesses. The one that I'm most active in is best-in-class suppliers. It is family-owned and operated, which we're really proud of. We are the type of people who will work with you from A to Z, will be with you through the good and the bad of working in retail. And uh, we're very curious and we like to learn new things. We think Anything that we can learn and share with our company partners will help us help us be better and help them be better as well. Wonderful. Hey, you want to plug that other family business real quick? Diamond State Panels. Okay. It is a small manufacturing panel operation. My son and husband run that business. And then my daughter and daughter-in-law have a company called Tomorrow Co. of Bentonville. Okay. And they create bespoke and collections for organization. My daughter-in-law is a local artist. She has her own graphic design business. And she is, she is the artist who did the murals at Crystal Flats. Oh, so neat. So if you ride your bike through there and you see those huge three-story murals, it was uh, Kara Underwood. So That is so cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, I'd love to hear your backstory on how you got involved in retail because okay. I looked at your LinkedIn. Let me see what it's, I wrote down what it was. You have a Bachelor of Science in Agricultural Business and Management. Yes. So what led you to retail and your passion for the industry? Well, that's a long story and it's a, a curvy story. Okay. So uh, my husband and I are from Arkansas, Southeast Arkansas in particular, and that is a very ag-based economy. Yes. If you live there, you're going to be involved in ag in some aspect. And we were that. We both grew up. My family had commercial fish farms and were commercial fishermen, fish markets. Dale and his family were farmers and ag agricultural pilots. So by nature, that was a business or a major that I thought would serve me well. And also I had a lot of interest in it. It's a very mm -hmm. well-rounded major. So 
how did I end up in retail? We owned and operated our own businesses in Southeast Arkansas. We sold those. When we sold those businesses, it allowed us the freedom to look for what do we want to do next? So we had small children at the time. Bale and I sat down. We picked about uh, 10 neighborhoods, not neighborhoods, 10 cities or regions that we wanted to check out. The things that were important to us is we needed to change careers. We did not feel like we'd be so so ingrained in agriculture where we ended up. We wanted good schools for our children. And um, we wanted the ability to finish our education. Both of us started and then we, our business started taking off and we mm-hmm. started growing our family. So we put all of our education on the back burner. And Northwest Arkansas was that. In particular, Bentonville was that for us. So in the mid-90s, we left Southeast Arkansas, left our family, moved up here with our two small children and put down our roots here. And if you're here, retail is a big part of that. We did not have an idea what Walmart was. When we passed the home office, we had no clue. We wondered why Walmart had a sign, you know, why, why the sign for Walmart was on that building. Right. All we knew is it was the place to shop. But as we started to learn more about that company and retail in general, you know, it just kind of lit a fire. And I love helping companies be successful. And one of the ways we do that is by understanding retail and helping them learn you know, what we've learned through the years. So that's how, that's how it all happened. <laughs> what a journey. Well, you picked the right town to come to. Yes. And, and who knew then that it would evolve to what it is now? It's exactly. incredible. Share with our audience, if you will, about best-in-class suppliers. What is it that you do? Who do you serve? What inspired you and your co-founders to start the company? Um, well, for I, I would say since the early 2000s, late 90s, I had been working with different companies who were suppliers to Walmart. So learned that business approximately 2010, somewhere in that neighborhood. One of my old bosses recruited me and said, hey, you need to meet this, this guy. He's got a cool opportunity. It was basically being a third party sales team. I, I went to work for a man named Bob Griffin based in Minneapolis. And, and he had a lot of reach within the corporate world, Mm -hmm. but he didn't have the knowledge to actually do business with Walmart. And so we got connected. We worked together for five years. And at that time he was ready to do something different. And I still loved what I was doing. So took over the Walmart and Sam's piece of the business from him. And that's when our family entered the equation and we started Best in Class Suppliers. So it is something I enjoy more than I ever thought I would. It is um, very difficult at times, but retail, you know, is it can be the most rewarding thing you do as well to help someone else achieve their Mm -hmm. goals. So that's, uh, and so I'm sorry, sorry. (laughs) No, tell me. Yeah. <laughs> You're good. I, I think I've uh, I was left out part of it. Again yeah. anyway. <laughs> so what we do in it specifically is we work with companies who want to land on shelf. We help them get their product ready. We help them assess where they are in the, the ready to launch at retail phase. Uh, if there's more work to do, we help them do that. It can be anything from product viability, like what else does this product need before it's ready for consumers? Who is your target consumer? Why do you want to work with this particular retailer? We help them kind of discover all of that. If they need help with packaging or third-party logistics, we don't necessarily 
provide those services, but we have networks and, and alliances, we call them, with companies who do. And so we'll connect them with that, help them get ready. Once they land the business, then we help them manage the business. So really, we are the third party. We are their sales team. A lot of the companies we work for don't have time to focus on that. They don't have Mm -hmm. time to focus on being that expert. So it's easier for them and less expensive for them to work with someone like us. And we're very strategic about who we do business with, who we, who we partner with. It has to be a very collaborative process. Mm -hmm. We don't represent to them or to our retail partners that we are not really them. You know, we, we are them. We, we work together as one team whenever we go talk to the buyers or engage a retailer. Well, that makes sense. That's very cool. Um, will you share an example of perhaps a challenging project that your company took on and brag on your team? Talk about, you know, <laughs> the pro, uh, you know, what was challenging about it, how you were able to overcome it, and how you were able to get the success for your client. So we had one company in particular, we'd worked with them for years, they were not able to get the sell through the turn that they expected Mm -hmm. for the shelf placement that we had. And so we initiated conversation with the retailer. We all went in and had, you know, sort of a top to top, they call it, where the leadership gets together, but Mm -hmm. everybody who was touching the business. And we we really got uh, specific about things that we should do as a team We ended up revamping the entire modular. We redid every product as far as the message that we told the consumer, changed all the packaging. And for three years, no no kidding, for three years, we were enjoying double-digit month-on-month, year-on-year growth with that program. Now, over time, a lot of the other suppliers that were competing against us started to adopt a lot of the things that we put into play and you know we have to we have to keep reiterating just if we want those numbers so but that was a that was a huge project it took a lot of time it took a lot of investment it took a lot of research and then it took a whole lot of sales and convincing you know that it was worth the risk to basically tear up the modular and put this plan into action and smartly we would test with you know 500 stores or a thousand mm-hmm. stores and then go back and re- redo and come back but that type of performance and that type of return is, it's hard to achieve. And so that was something that was huge. Another thing that we accomplished, which I'm very proud of, is we've helped companies recover chargebacks or claims against their accounts mm-hmm. that were not really correct, but no one had the time to go dig it out and, and put the disputes in. We've helped companies reclaim a lot of money that way. So I'm proud of that as well. Oh, that's great. That's that's wonderful to hear. You know, when you, when your competitors start emulating what you do. Yeah. You know, you've done you, the you've right done thing. You've done something right. Yeah, yeah. You've done the right thing. We even saw other buyers in other seb- segments of mm-hmm. the store come over and take a look at what was happening in this particular category because the sales were phenomenal, you know, and it was absolutely a direct result of the work that we all did together. And just, we didn't necessarily change all the product, but we changed the way we messaged what the product was to the customer and changed the way that it was merchandised in the store. So it was easier for the customer to shop. So anyway, it was, it was, that was a big one. And it was, it's still rewarding when we think about that. So makes sense. Congratulations. Thanks. 
I, I guess it's more than stating the obvious to say that uh, retail has had some challenges in the last three years and perhaps out of those challenges, some advancements. Yes. And, you know, I think as with many things, maybe you might even just say it's, it's an acceleration of trend lines oh, yeah. that were already present. Will you talk about how this has affected best-in-class suppliers and your clients? In the beginning, it was it was a it was very unnerving. It was unnerving mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons because none of us knew what was really going to happen. So it changed the way that we interacted with each other. Where where typically we would be, you know, meeting face to face, or they'd be flying in, or we'd be flying to them, and just sitting down and having our our conversations in the same room. We obviously had to move to remote and Zoom became very important. Teams became very important for all of us, which I do think is a very good thing that came out mm-hmm. of that. It taught us all that we, we can do that and we can be successful. Supply chain disruption, that was the thing. It affected everybody that we worked with. The other very interesting thing that we watched happen is some of the companies that we were starting to invest in, they weren't actually returning any revenue at this point. They were in the natural and organic and sustainable, Mm -hmm. you know, that focus. Their sales basically went away. You know, they, they were struggling because when you, when what we identified is we'd go on, we'd go into a store and we'd look at the shelf and there'd be all these natural cleaning products there, but Mm. you know, Lysol and bleach were gone. So we, we watched those companies struggle. I mean, it was really hard for them and, and a lot of them didn't make it. So that was a big deal because if they don't make it, we don't make it, you yeah. know, with the, with the business. We watched when the infusion of financial support started to flow back into the economy. Well, that was really interesting because we saw a lot of purchase for things that we didn't expect. Mm-hmm. You know, we watched people, well, not individual people, but we watched categories take off that we didn't think people would use the money for, but in fact they did. And so the result now that we don't have that infusion of money is those categories are paying their dues, you know. So two years of sales occurred in a year's time and, you know, that's going to right size itself and it, and it is right now. So we're still seeing the effects of what we went through with the pandemic and the shutdown. The supply chain has gotten easier, but it has caused all of us to rethink the way that we manage a supply chain. So just in time, no longer what anybody wants to talk about, you know, optimization for sure. And the interesting thing about um, a lot of the companies that we were working with did not care about having a U.S. warehouse and they cared deeply about a U.S. warehouse now. Not necessarily changing where they're doing all their manufacturing, but just not holding manufacturing in other countries. Mm-hmm. They're bringing it to the U.S. now, which I think is is good. You know, that's what we advise them to do. So, absolutely. I, I'm curious. Do you? How long do you think this will? People will remember this experience. And, and let me tell you why I'm asking this mm-hmm. question. It seems like as human beings, over a period of time, we forget the experience. Yes. Going back to 2001. I was in the medical device industry at the time. We couldn't, after 9-11, we couldn't get a medical device in the country to save our life, to save patients' lives. Yeah. I'm talking about the disposable products that you use every day. And so, of course, at that time, we went away from just-in-time inventory. We 
built warehouses in the U.S. Yes. You see something yes. sound familiar here? <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like this will hold this time or longer? Or that um, it changes the way people think? I do longer? think that people forget quickly, you know, yeah. and I think that the bottom line is definitely going to drive decisions in the future. It's definitely, it's what's driving those decisions mm-hmm. now is that people don't want to go through the out of stocks or the, you know, not being able to afford a freight, you know, the freight cost right. of bringing product in. But I do think that we have short memories. And I think that ultimately the bottom line is going to dictate whether they remain in the U.S. in warehouses or if they start to do some hybrid. I think a hybrid will be most likely what most companies would do because it, it was, it was, devastating to a lot of people, Mm. a lot of families and a lot of companies. And that I think might linger a little bit longer. Ultimately though, nope, we have short memories. So. Yeah, you betcha. Well, it hurt us worse. So yes, we'll uh, hopefully we'll we'll know longer. Uh, What trends do you see emerging in retail that affects you and your clients for the next few years? And, and how do you suggest that companies prepare for that? Well, E-commerce, for sure. I mean, that's it's such a simple thing to state, but it is not going to go away. If you the the struggle that we have today, a lot of companies don't have the resource to do mm-hmm. a great job at e-com. They don't have the res, you know, and they're not going to invest in it. They're just not going to be able to do that. They want to be able to focus on making the good product and getting it, you know, operationally ready to deliver. So I believe that's going to open up opportunity for more companies like myself who specialize in different aspects of that. And we do have quite a few great ones in Northwest Arkansas, but I just in general, e-commerce is going to continue to evolve. It's going to continue to become more important. And the way that we shop, I, I don't think we'll ever get away from enjoying that, you know, being able to go into a mm-hmm. brick and mortar. But I just think that there will be fewer of those retailers and e-commerce is, is going to continue to grow. Yeah. I, I wonder, you know, how the retailers will change over time in terms of walking in the door. I think about experiences I've had even very recently where you walk in, they don't have the exact product you're looking for. Right. And I just pull out my phone, hit my Walmart app and yep. order right there on the spot. Well, actually, I pulled out the phone to see if I could find it in the store. It says it's not in the store. Yeah. And so I just ordered it right there. And I I wondered, uh, you know, is there an opportunity to have stores where you walk in and go, I'll have, and you just point your phone at it. I'll have that, 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 and that. And it just shows up at your car when you walk out there or shows up on your doorstep or I'll take that now, the rest can ship. Or doing that, you know, the interactivity online. Yeah. So you're able to shop the virtual store or you're able to watch a video and you want to buy the shirt that the girl's wearing in the video and you just click it and it ends up in your box. There's so many, so many things on the horizon, so many feels like you're talking about the Jetsons, but it's really not, you know, someone's doing it somewhere. It's just not mainstream yet. Yeah. There's, there's a, so much change driven by the technology that is available to us today. That wasn't 10 years ago. So. Yeah. Well, speaking of technology in particular, artificial intelligence, other types of advanced data analytics tools and the such, how do you see that affecting retail over the next few years? Well, I think that whether we know that it's AI or not, it's affecting mm-hmm. us every single day. There is, um, if you break down the customer decision process, 
every single piece of that process is 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 deriving data and ai operates from digital access and data and so there's not any piece of that that won't be affected by ai or is not already being affected by ai people are using ai to detect fraud you get an email from your bank mm-hmm. and they say did you approve this or not i mean the chances are there's an ai app that's driving the flag that that prompted the email that came to you ai touches every single aspect of a company and not every company's invested in it yet but there are applications that will afford solutions for every from hr to security to price management supply chain optimization it's all available you know there there are applications available to help you optimize that with with ai technology yeah it is a rapidly changing world yes it is. Um, how does a company such as yours ensure that you remain competitive far into the future with, with all this changing so fast? For us, the, the thing that is most important is for us to keep central who our customer is and what do they need from us. And that's where we invest our time. That's where we invest the research that we're doing, how, we, how we're training ourselves. The, the best thing that we can do to help the companies we work for is understand the technology that's impacting them that they don't have time to learn about. You know, the, the, I'm thinking about a company in particular that they are focused on water and air filtration, and they are amazing with the technology and the, the research and development that they do around their products. So how do we pick up the uh, slack or pick up the, the ball and carry it for supply chain optimization mm-hmm. for them once the product is ready how do we understand the apps that are reading the data and flagging these anomalies that that we can help them put into practice to improve the business so so in reality with all this technological change nothing has changed for how to serve a customer understand right. them and what their needs are right. to solve those that's, for them. That's it. It's just making sure that we're doing that yeah. in a way that gives them return on the time and, and whatever investment we're putting in it as well. And technology and AI help you, you know, just kind of reap more. You can do more with less time and less headcount and therefore your, your return is greater. So Yeah. And you kind of mentioned something else that, uh, you know, helping them understand the technology and how to use it. I'm of the opinion that uh, probably the fastest growing job in the next two, 10 years, I don't know what it'll be called, will be something along the lines of AI operators, right? AI is unlikely at this time to replace what we're doing because it needs to be told how to operate. You have to ask it the question in a specific way to get what you need from it and so on. And so there could be this whole class of people, AI operators. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, the, the... Managing the data, that's mm-hmm. what AI, and I think we're limited somewhat, uh, you know, what AI can do for mm-hmm. us by the technology that runs AI. Yes. So until the chips are faster and the computers are faster, which quantum computers, we don't even, you know, I'm right. not an expert. I just hear it and I know that, you know, someday it's going to be mainstream. Just, you know, AI is not a new that's term. Right. It, it was first coined, I think, in 1955. Mm-hmm. We're just now really starting to hear it as part of our common conversation, you know, that we can, people like me can, can have fraud protection because of AI. 
And that was unleashed really with the internet and digital connectivity and, you know, the amount of data that we're able to collect and feed back to the AI apps. Yeah, you bet. So what's next for best-in-class suppliers? Interesting. I think for us, we, we are very careful about who we work with. And, you know, it has to be a good fit on both sides. I think that we are happy not being the biggest. You know, that's Mm -hmm. not something we've ever aspired to be, but we absolutely want to be the very best. And so for us, we're going to continue to be mindful and selective with the companies that we work with. We will enrich ourselves with knowledge to make sure that they're the best companies that they can be with the retailers that they're serving. And I I think that's it. I think we're just going to continue to learn and share the knowledge we have and question. You know, we're very, we're very inquisitive. You know, why are we doing it this way? Have we thought about doing it another way? And I think that we'll keep doing that as well. That's cool. I love that standard. Best (laughs) is a Wonderful standard. Yep. (laughs) I was making myself some notes here. Will you talk about Bentonville's unique role in retail? And I guess talk not about Walmart and Sam's Club per Mm -hmm. se, but about the community surrounding them. And here's what I was noting that, you know, I'll add it first before you answer that from somebody looking from the outside in, Mm -hmm. they might look at Bentonville and think there's one big employer here. Right. Right. But that couldn't be further from the case. There's 1,400 vendors serving Walmart in Northwest Arkansas. There's companies like yours serving the, the vendors. vendors right? Be, yeah. uh, still, just like all dynamic economies, 98% of our businesses have fewer than 100 employees right. in their small businesses. Right. And there's this really robust ecosystem of startups around all of this, and especially ones in, uh, there's a number of uh, verticals, but they're especially doing well in places like supply chain and yes. logistics and retail and what I like Authentic, to call yeah. yeah, corporate enablement technologies. Yep. Yep. So what's it like working here in Bentonville with this level of access to such a wide range of businesses that and when many of these businesses are shaping the lives of people everywhere? Yes, I think it is. It's hard to get your head around. You know, yeah. it is. It's also exciting when you think about it. It is, you go in a coffee shop and you sit down with Tom Douglas and have Mm -hmm. a conversation about what's happening at Fuel or you hear what Startup Junkie's doing and the companies that they're bringing. And then you hear from Walmart, new initiatives that are coming down the pipe and you you can, can think of all the different new opportunities for services and products that will develop just to support these initiatives. I think if you're an outsider looking in, you have to, it's, it's, that is something that's hard to believe until you come here Mm -hmm. and experience it yourself. I mean, you're a good example of that. If, if you've been here, it, it is, it's just hard to verbalize. You, you, you have to see it for yourself. I think that it pushes all of us to be better. I do think there's an increased level of competition here, mm-hmm. which I, I believe competition's good. Yes. Competition makes us think outside of where our comfort zone is, makes us do things or take chances that, that we might not otherwise take. So I think that's amazing about living in a, a community like the one that we have. I think it affords people the opportunity to 
better themselves or lift themselves up, change their status in life mm -hmm. because there, there are opportunities for them. If you live in an area that doesn't have all of these assets or resources, the, our, the chance for you to be able to do that is a lot lower. So I think that's exciting. Yeah, I, th I think it's one of those places that you just, you have to be here to really understand the impact that it can make on your life and that you could then make on other people. Yeah, yeah, that's a conversation I have with people a lot. Yeah. People here who say exactly that or people who come to visit and say, you no know what? idea. <laughs> yeah. What I heard was so mind-blowing that I had to come visit. Yeah. In other cases, I might have gone, yeah, I don't believe that. Yeah. In this case, you keep hearing more and more, and it's all so unexpected. Then you come yeah. and visit, and there's an, something unexpected around every corner, and yes. you do have to just sort of be here on the ground and check it out. So my encouragement to folks is just come check it out and see for yourself. There's not really a lot of cost in doing that. Right. It's just the cost of a little bit of time and getting here, and it's worth doing. So we've made the business case. Yes. Um, <laughs> Lots of open jobs right now, too. Oh, my so. <laughs> gosh. There are so many available. We need, we need more people to yes. fill those jobs, yes, too. Yes, we do. The answer to our growth has become more growth. Yes. It's an incredible, like, situation to be in. It, it, it's just growing so fast, and it's been amazing. Let's talk about the ability that Bentonville, Bentonville affords you to not only work, but truly live and play and not give up any aspect of those three like you might in many other places. How has living in Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas affected your personal life? And I mean, what are some of the benefits for you and your family as a result of being here? Well, a big one for us is the trail system. Mm. And I, you know, back in 2007, when Tom and Stuart and James had their pickaxes and they were, uh -huh. you know, building the first trails, you know, we were curious, what, what are you doing? And we, we'd heard of mountain biking. We just never thought about Arkansas. We always thought Colorado. Yeah. And um, so we, my, when I say we, my husband and I got our first set of bikes from Helping Hands, which is one mm -hmm. of our thrift stores here. And we thought, well, we're going to give this a go. We ended up falling in love with it. And like most people around here who fall in love with the trail system, we wanted to give back. We wanted to find a way to, be, you know, rally around this great thing that was happening that we enjoyed, never imagining where it could go. Right. And what we have today, we're so blessed. But um, so we got rolled up our sleeves, got our hands dirty and decided that we're going to, you know, we're going to pitch in and help these trails that were here be sustained. And so my husband started uh, along with Tim Robinson. He's one of the local guys. I think he works at Walmart, but also one of the co-founders of Fat Tire. Mm -hmm. They started uh, Fast, which was a volunteer group of friends at Slaughter Pen, friends at Slaughter Pen Trails. And recently, or in the in the past few years, that's turned into I think Friends of Arkansas Single Track yes. because it's grown across the state. But we would have work days where we go out and clean the trails. It really built a sense of community and like response. We felt responsible mm -hmm. for those trails. They, we all got, you know, on bikes, got healthier. You know, we enjoyed being outdoors more. That's something that Northwest Arkansas has that's very unique is urban trails. There's, you can walk them, you can run them, you can take your children, bike. There's, there's so many opportunities to be outside. So that's one thing that we have really enjoyed. 
Also, just the support system of our parks and recreation, our library. You know, I'm, a, I'm passionate about public libraries, have been my whole life. The resources that are available in our community, big part due to the success of the economy in, in our area, but they can, ma- they can allow people to change their, their position in life. They can, they can allow people to better themselves and then better their families. And, and the trail system does that. The library does that. You know, our, our parks and recreation, I can go on and on. I'm a, I'm a big Bentonville fan. I love Arkansas. I love Northwest Arkansas. I love Bentonville. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it is unbelievable what has happened as a result of this trail system. And you're right on parks and rec. I, I got to tell you, I, I've not been in a city that has this density of parks. And the answer is, not to stop building More them, parks. but <laughs> hey, we're, instead people are thinking about we're growing. And yes. so what we have to do is preserve these spaces yep. to make certain that these parks are there are here and present because once the spaces are gone, they're gone. And so it's, it's really re- responsible, responsible growth. growth. Yeah. So many people are moving here, building amazing things. And Together, we're all working to sort of build this place. It's the type of person that this place attracts. And with this incredible diversity of people and thoughts uh, that have really come here over the years, but especially the last 10 to 15 years, I mean, people are just pouring, again, not only into their professional passions and their personal uh, passions, but into Bentonville. And in your case, through the city's DI task force and the uh, board of directors for the Bentonville Library Foundation. Will you talk about that work, why you're involved and what you get out of it? Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm a huge fan and have always been of public libraries. Mm-hmm. Even the tiny little one that was in the hometown that I was raised in, th- the ability to support a resource like your public library is a gift, I yeah. think. To use the resource, i you know, I hands down use it all the time, especially the the e downloadables. But I want to be a part of helping maintain that resource because I want other people to have access. It is one of the only places in our wonderful city, but in most places that that you can access it for free, regardless of your demographic, your education, your finance. It is free, and that is something that I'm passionate to make sure that, you know, we can keep that resource for people in communities. I want to find ways to work with other nonprofits in our area to unplug the resources that are available and help them achieve more of their goals. So that's one reason why I'm on the Library Foundation Board. We're in the process of a big campaign right yes. now. We're, we're going to expand. Hopefully we put shovels in the ground later this spring, which Hattie, our director of the library, is working with the city and working with our uh, with Flint Co., who's, who's doing the project for us. They're going to announce a date soon, and that'll be exciting, making room for more sure. uh, as we grow. And then part of that, we hope to, like I said, work with other agencies in the area and, and really unleash the power of the resources that are available through the library. So that's one thing. And then the DEI, I was so excited to join that task force. And there was an interview process we had to put in our application. I've learned way more than anything I've given. And I was hoping that would happen because I think 
understanding from other people's perspective, we, you, until you walk in their shoes, it's really hard to have that empathy. I've mm-hmm. met people, you know, we've sat with panels learning from people in the community. What I've seen the mayor and her team put into action as a result of the things that we're learning. There's so much going on and there's so many different demographics in our community that are important, but may not be as visible. That's right. And so our task force purposefully searched them out. You know, we wanted to hear what they thought, what were they concerned about? And then the mayor and her team took our learnings. And so a lot of things are going on in the background. I'm not sure what can be announced or can't be announced that she's very good about sharing as soon as she is able. Yes. But one of the things that is so exciting that came out of that is our multicultural event. Mm-hmm. Last year, April was the first one. I was out of town. I'm it's so coming sorry up I again. It. Oh, it's okay. Uh, it's coming up again. This year, the Visit Bentonville and DBI team are, you know, the first year is mm-hmm. the hardest year, right? That's right. But they're partnering again with the DEI task force. Melanie Hoskins runs that for us. She, it was her vision and she's such a wonderful task force member. And it, I think it was a great event for our city to, to spend time learning about, you know, all of the different demographics and groups and, and folks that make up our community. So that's, that's, I think, to be able to help people be comfortable mm-hmm. and feel welcome. That is why I actually put my name in the hat for that committee or that task force is having conversation with amazing people that I meet and, and wonder why they wouldn't spend their weekends here or they mm-hmm. wouldn't want their family to come visit them here. You know, just different conversations. And a lot of it boiled down to, you know, we check the box for getting invited, but we don't really feel welcome. And right. I thought, gosh, we've got to, you know, that alone is something that I can help, you know, I can help fix. And so that's why I'm, that's why I'm part of the DEI task force. That's cool. I mean, that sense of belonging yes. matters, right? Yes. I mean, you can talk diversity, and equity and inclusion all day long, but if somebody doesn't feel they belong, then you've got you nothing. Failed. nothing you know, nothing has failed. happened exactly. no matter what you did. Yep. Well, I'm really excited. When is the multicultural uh, event this year? Do you um, have a date it yet? It is the weekend of April 28th. And I, I may have the date wrong, but it's that Saturday and it is in the afternoon, uh, I think from four to eight. And it is going to be held at Orchards Park this year. Oh, cool. yeah. So that that'll be nice. It, it was really hard for the team to transition from farmer's market to mm-hmm. the multicultural event last oh, year bet. with it being on the square. So moving it out to orchards is going to make it so much more accessible. We'll have room for more people, hopefully more participants. Yeah. So Well, selfishly, I'm really excited about this. You know, my wife is Persian. And oh, that's right. Yeah, we moved her parents here with us and they nice. just happened to live at Crystal Flats across the street oh, from Orchard's Park. Oh my goodness. So Good. I'm really so you've uh, seen excited the about the location. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you for your service to our community. Um, you know, time's running short here. Yes. So <laughs> will you tell me a story? And this is a, we'll call this a hashtag because Ben okay. story. And, okay. And if you listen to some of the episodes and you know what's coming next, yeah. it's, it's a story about something that happened or a moment in time where you went, hey, that could only happen here, or it at least describes the essence of Bentonville. Mm, let me think. I am really, I'm drawing a blank, James, but and as passionate as I am about Bentonville, well, th- so another 
part of our enthusiasm is the airport. So yes. what's happening out at Bentonville Airport? My husband's a pilot. I've soloed. I just, I don't have my pilot's license now, but mm. we spend a lot of time at the airport. And one of the things that I think you could only happen in Bentonville is to see some of the newest aircraft in the world, along with some of the oldest uh-huh. you know, relics in the world. And they're flying together. You know, they're flying pattern together. I think that that, you know, we have game bird and then we have all the war birds. That's pretty special. And you can see them working out or flying their patterns pretty much any afternoon. That's beautiful day in Bentonville. And I think that's unique to Bentonville. Uh, Of all the places I've ever lived, I've never seen that before. So I haven't either. That is a regular occurrence and it is very cool. (laughs) It's cool. Um, So I want to squeeze an opportunity for you to give some advice for others and also ask you a random question. Okay. I wrote down a couple of questions. I'm going to pick one. Okay. What advice would you give to young professionals who aspire to leadership roles in retail? I think the best thing that you can do is get your hands dirty across every aspect of the business. Learn it. Don't be too proud or worried about what people think. Do the job that needs to get done. Be respectful of of people who've gone before you and learn everything that you can. But I really think that having that curiosity to figure out why something is happening the way it is and is there a way to do it better will also help you go a long way when it comes to retail and be focused on the customer. Everything that you do should be intentional around the customer, who your customer is. But I think, yeah, there's there's so much opportunity. If you want to be in leadership at retail, consider every role you have as you're the CEO of that role. You are your own, you're the boss right there. So treat it as you would if it were your own money you were spending, your own company that you're building, and no one's going to be unhappy about that. If you behave that way, everyone's going to appreciate it. That is solid advice. (laughs) Um, If you could switch lives with a fictional character for a month, what character would that be and why? With a fictional character? Well, I've spent a lot of time watching Paw Patrol lately. Okay. (laughs) With my two-year-old grandson. And I really love what they stand for. You know, they come to the rescue, mm-hmm. Paw Patrol on a roll. And I think Skye's pretty cool because she's got her little helicopter that she flies around oh, yeah. in. So that might be, and my grandson would think I was the coolest too if I could do that. So that might be what I did. <laughs> that in and of itself is a cool reason, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Most important. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Last two questions. Okay. If somebody wants to reach you, Angie, or learn more about best-in-class suppliers, how do they do that? Just ring me up on my cell. My number is 479-657-0671. My email is super long, so I won't give you that here. But just ping me on my cell and leave me a message or send me a text, and I'll get back to you. We do have a website. We don't typically uh, market for business. We, we like word of mouth. We like people who recommend us to be the way that we grow. But yeah, if anybody's got a question or, or just wants to sit down and have a chat, that's it. Hit me up on my cell and we'll make it happen. Perfect. And we'll also put that in the show notes. Okay. Um, y'all know where to make the prank calls now <laughs> to Angie Bailey, yeah. best in class supply. <laughs> um, last question. What's something I should have asked you that I did not ask? Well, we talked about quite a bit 
maybe ask me what I've done since we were students of venture deals. Oh, what have you done? Uh, that's right. That's where we first met. Yeah. What, what have you done since we were students of Venture Deals? Well, I have retaken the Venture Deals course again, okay. which I love. I absolutely love that. And have actually dabbled in some angel investing Wonderful. and learning more about that opportunity. So that also helps me really stay plugged into a lot of the intentional growth here, you know, people that we're recruiting in. And I think it just helps me be able to point them to people like you, help them get connected in our community and understand some of the things that they're up against. Not everyone is interested in that venture deal, but Mm -hmm. absolutely everyone who's in business deals with finance. So, you know, that's the very few people are, are able to do it without some type of support. So I think that that is something that I've done just that's to kind cool. of further my education since we, since we had that class. Well, that's great. Have you connected with 412 Angels yet? I have researched them, but I haven't, but Arkansas Angels. So okay. I'm connected with Dave Moody and oh, yeah, yeah. know lots of the people on that team. But 412, I've read about them, but I haven't connected with them yet. I'll no. be happy to introduce okay. you to Sterling Smith. Nice. And shameless plug. Okay. Check out that episode. Oh, on okay. uh, the Bentonville Beacon. It'll be listed under Atento Capital, okay. who is uh, putting together 412 Angels. I will do uh, that. But they've had several events here lately. They're nice. ginning up, a, a, it's basically a monthly event now. Okay. Be just, uh, they have several types of events. Yep. Some are the more form, formal uh, sort of summits. Yeah. I believe those are quarterly. Okay. Uh, and now they're having monthly events that are basically cocktail hours and just, and just to get networking, people together. Getting, exactly. I think that is so great. There's so many people in our state and definitely in Northwest Arkansas who want to help other folks. They just don't quite know how to plug in. So the more that we can learn about these opportunities and then share out with them, the better for you know everyone. They're able to help and someone's able to receive it. So Awesome. Well, I'll get you an introduction to Sterling okay. Smith. Look at that. Great. Making connections, connections. right here on the show. <laughs> hey, love thank it. you. Thank, uh, thank you. you, Angie, for your time here today. I really appreciate you sharing with the audience about your company and, and sort of re- where retail's going and, and what's happening in retail, but especially for the way you give back to the community through the Library Foundation to the DEI task force. It's really important and, and glad you're, you're part of our community. Well, I'm excited to be here. Great. I don't think we do enough, so. Oh, Thanks. well, wonderful. <laughs> so uh, thank you to our Bentonville Beacon audience. This show wouldn't be possible or here at all without you. So we'd love it if you keep coming back. You can do that on your favorite podcast player or through BentonvilleEconomicDevelopment.com where you'll find all of the episodes and keep coming back to learn more about Bentonville and its business leaders and this place here in Northwest Arkansas where you can get more of what you want and less of what you don't. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast. We hope to see you next week.